Welcome to the Laurie Lawrence podcast, Stuff the Silver, We're Going for Gold. This podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform, WorldwideSwimSchool.com. It was simply an idea that I'd read and share chapters of the two books that I'd written about my eight Olympic Games adventures. And when I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. Tell your friends, if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams, it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. This one called Master Planner, Phil King. I regard Debbie Flintoff King, Duncan Armstrong, Dawn Fraser, Herb Elliott, Murray Rose, Bill Roycroft, and all their kind as national treasures. Not only for what they do for us and for our country, the psyche of the country, but also for the dreams and aspirations they bequeath to young Australians, to your children and mine. In them, they plant the seed of striving and of conquering, and of course, of making Australia a better place. The qualities of such champions enable them to perform under pressure in that human zoo of the Olympics. When many others are caught up in the pageantry, the partying, the excitement and the glamour, the discos and the life in a village that never sleeps, their single-minded focus enables them to perform at optimum level while many of their opponents falter. An example lies in the marvellous story of Debbie Flintoff King's quest for Olympic gold. This quest actually started six years earlier after her gold medal winning performance in the 400 metres hurdles at the Brisbane Commonwealth Games. This first major win as a 22-year-old planted in Debbie the dream of pursuing the greatest sporting prize of all, an Olympic gold medal. She and her husband Phil started on a journey, an adventure that was relentless and uncompromising. It was only after I became friendly with these two great Australians that I became aware of the heartaches and the many sacrifices they made. I found out just how ruthless, persistent and single-minded they were in their pursuit of excellence, their pursuit of Olympic gold. My wife and I were asked to dial at Rumpole's in Brisbane with Debbie and Phil one night not long after the Seoul Olympics. Hurry up, Joss. We're late for dinner. I'm ready. I'll just say goodbye to the kids. Me too. We drove into the city thinking how good it would be to see this fun-loving couple again. I parked the car and we hurried into Rumpole's. No need. We were ten minutes early. I love being early. When Debbie arrived, she was wearing a sleeveless dress, just right for the Queensland climate. I couldn't help notice how strong and well-muscled her arms were for a runner. I wonder how she got them, I mused. I wish I could get some of my swimmers to get muscle definition in the arms like that. Halfway through the night, with a couple of celebratory drinks under my belt, I couldn't contain my curiosity any longer, and I burst out. 
Debbie, you've got the most magnificent biceps of any woman I've ever seen. How did you get them? I'd love my swimmers to have arms like that. My wife promptly kicked me under the table. Phil could see Debbie was embarrassed and chipped in. Ever since the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane, when our Olympic dream was formed, Debbie decided she would do some things her opponents were not doing just to get the competitive edge. With this in mind, every day for the last six years, 365 days a year, she did 100 push-ups, 100 dips and 500 sit-ups. Every day? I queried. Yes, every day, she chipped in. Even Christmas Day? I queried again. Of course, she answered. I reckon on Christmas Day my opponents might rest. That day could be my opportunity to get that little advantage. I'd never forgive myself if ever I got beaten by a hundredth of a second. Ironic, she'd won her Olympic gold medal by a hundredth of a second. Olympic competition is so fierce, so cutthroat, that if you are going to win, going to be successful, you need an overall plan. And this plan has to marry together both the physical and psychological aspects, the combined factors that will help you to train and to race. The fact is that in any walk of life, if you have no plan, you are treading the path of failure. Phil was the perfect architect. He made plans, and his planning was professional and total, and his execution nothing short of poetic. Physically, Phil prepared Debbie as he had prepared no other athlete. Just as the great Percy Serity was a leader, an innovator, a dreamer, a philosopher, who used the sandhills of Portsea to prepare Herb Elliot for his 1500 metres victory in Rome, so too Phil was a modern day innovator. He was a leader in athletic coaching, a man prepared to blaze his own trail rather than to be a mundane follower. He realised that every job done was a self-portrait of the artist and he autographed his training regime with perfection. Phil manufactured a harness for Debbie that was attached to a huge tractor tyre and three days a week Debbie became a beast of burden. She ran, strained, pulled and dragged that tyre around a grassy oval in central Melbourne building strength and power into her aching muscles, the strength and power that would take her to Olympic gold. While many other track coaches were lamenting the fact that there were not good training running surfaces in Melbourne, Phil shunned the traditional training tracks for his own 800-metre hill climb in the Dandenongs. He'd take Debbie out two or three days a week and she'd run those hills in the tradition of the great Kenyan runners. Eight, ten, twelve times she'd run to the top. Each time he'd drive the car up and bring her back down to the bottom. Pretty smart man, Phil King. Rat cunning, just so he didn't have to run. In this way, Debbie painstakingly developed the strength, speed, endurance 
and cardiovascular fitness that would eventually propel her to her historic victory. Phil realised that no man is an island, and he sought expert help. Assembling a support group which would include a doctor, dietitian, physio, masseur, a yoga instructor, and an expert on hurdle technique. He gathered a team that was every bit as passionate and single-minded as he and Debbie. They all dreamed of Olympic gold. They were a united team with a common goal. In Phil's diary, the team is listed this way. Professional team. If required, get specialists to look after different areas if they would do a better job than you. Plan and involve these experts in Debbie's program. Overall program, Phil King. Conditioning, Phil King. Competition, Phil King. Weights, Phil King. Technique, Roy Boyd. Massage, Nick, Sports Medicine Centre. Physiotherapy, Jack Salter, Jeff McKay. Stretching, Steve Barry. Relaxation, Ian Gawler. Other necessities. Check with the AIS for help. Is it any wonder when Debbie came round to the final bend, applying the physical pressure to her aching body, her mind refused to give in. It refused to relax or to bend. One by one, she wore down her opponents. Could anyone honestly believe that with such a great team support, with such a great positive environment, and having endured all forms of physical pain, she was running for silver? No way! And so, we in Australia were able to witness one of the greatest finishes in athletic history, as Debbie continued the tradition of Australian Olympic champions. Having an athlete physically prepared is one thing, but more important still is the psychological preparation, the belief that one can win. Without that belief, there is no chance of victory. The electronic and print media create superstars, building up an aura around them that creates for the stars a psychological advantage. Phil set about breaking down this aura that had built around the East Germans, the Russians and the Kenyans. For three months of each year, he and Debbie toured Europe on the athletic circuit. They lived out of a suitcase. In Europe, Coach Phil chipped away at the aura by having Debbie constantly race the blue shirts of the East Germans, the red shirts of the Russians and the black skins of the Kenyans. The preparation paid handsome dividends, and it culminated with a silver medal in the World Championships 12 months before Seoul. Still, they weren't satisfied. Although Debbie now knew that she had a chance. She was up there with the best. She was now Australia's best credentialed athlete. The aura around the others was beginning to fade. Debbie was getting belief. With belief, 
all things become possible. In his planning, it was important for Phil to cover all contingencies. So, he made a lightning trip to Seoul shortly after the World Championships, some 12 months before the Olympics. He wanted to inspect the village, check the weather, inspect the track, check the food, to search for any little pitfalls that might deny Debbie the gold medal. He identified food, water and languages as major problems and he set out to find answers. He approached the Australian Olympic Committee about taking fresh water into Seoul. When Phil packed his bags for Seoul, he included a toaster, Debbie's favourite muesli, a half a dozen loaves of Debbie's favourite bread from the local bakery. He took fresh honey from the little farmhouse down the road. Every morning, in Seoul, he was able to prepare and serve Debbie her normal, favourite Aussie breakfast, while this silly bugger was in the Olympic dining hall eating kimchi and rice. Phil, you're a genius. Phil covered all possible contingencies for the prize at the end of it. For this mighty team, the prize at the end of it was the gold that both of them had long dreamed for. Once in Seoul, his plan of attack was to treat the Olympics as another meet. His motto, make the most of the Olympics, don't let the Olympics make the most of you. He wanted Debbie to enjoy her Olympic experience. He exuded confidence in her form. She had arrived ready to race. The plan was set. He showed confidence in her taper and refused to let her watch other athletes training. He didn't panic when the East Germans were training hard. He single-mindedly stuck to his plan. He was positive when things out of his control occurred, such as the tragic death of Debbie's sister and a worrying viral throat infection that Debbie contracted. He reminded her that illness was a warning to the body to rest and the gold medal would be a precious memory of her sister. He surrounded her with positive vibes and positive people and never once did she doubt victory. He took her to the swimming, the cycling, the gymnastics as well as the track and field and the emotions of nervousness that scared competitors and winners alike were all witnessed. It only made her more determined to give the gold medal her best shot without fear. Phil King, I salute you. What a planner. What a team you were and are, you and Debbie. Without men with your vision, there would be no national treasures. And now, Phil King, after athletic success, you have made a success in life for you, for Debbie and your children. Phil King, congratulations. Well done. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit laurielawrence.com.au. It's alive, do the fun!